Welcome to the Arts and Minds podcast from Dominican University. I'm Leslie Rodriguez. Located in River Forest, Illinois, in 2020, U.S. News and World Report ranked Dominican University at number 10 among Midwest regional universities and number one for best value in Chicagoland. At the heart of the university is its Catholic Dominican tradition, grounded in the compatibility of reason and faith. The programs of the Live Arts and Minds series presented on campus each year are curated to reflect that tradition and build on the university mission to participate in the creation of a more just and humane world. This week's episode is the second of three from the Soul Stories Project, created by the University Ministry Center. Originally presented as part of the Interfaith Ministry Better Together Coffee Houses, the following stories were recorded in front of a live audience on November 9, 2017. The theme of the program was I Am Migration. Professor Warren Green introduced the event. My name is Warren Green. I'm part of the committee that put together the Soul Stories Project. There are two other people here from the original committee. One of the original idea people behind this, uh, Provost Carlson, and Claire, who's the Vice President of Mission Ministry. Two wonderful people that helped bring this all together. And um, Felice, whose last name I do not know how to pronounce. There we go, Felice. We'll go by first names tonight. Who was unable to attend tonight. And, and many others on the committee uh, that we should thank for these events starting to happen. And we hope that they steamroll and get bigger and bigger over the next year and years to come. You're all invited to the coffee houses that are the seeds for this and um, to participate going forward. Tonight we have three storytellers Jose, um, Her- of course, if I forget your name now, Aureli. There, yay! And um, Ms. Jackson, Kayla, Kayla Jackson, will all be telling us stories um, in different versions of, of what it means for them to, um, to have migration as part of their lives. Uh, the first storyteller will be Aureli Aragon, um, and I will let her tell you the story. Yay! <laughs> so... As it was mentioned, my name is Arelia Aragon, and I am currently a junior here, and hopefully we'll graduate next year. Um, but So I want to go ahead and start my migration story with the beginning of why my family decided to migrate here. So I was six years old when my mom decided to migrate from Mexico to the United States. Uh, my mom was a single mom. She had three of us. She had myself, my older sister, Blanca, and then my eldest, um, Diana. And she was by herself. And in Mexico, there was not a lot of opportunities for her to financially take care of us three. So she made the biggest decision of her life and decided to migrate to the United States so she could support us three. I was too young to travel, so I was unable to travel. And my eldest, Diana, wanted to stay with me. So only my older sister Blanca came to the United States with my mom. And 
I didn't understand why she left or why not. I was six years old. I didn't know anything. But my mom wanted a different opportunity for us, and she came to America, the land of opportunity. And then a year, the plan was for her to just stay in the United States for a year and then go back to Mexico to take care of, to be with my sister and I, my older sister and I. However, that plan did not go as the way she wanted to, so she decided to stay a bit longer in the United States. And she wanted me and my older sister to come to her because she has she missed us. And my grandma told me this. I don't remember this because I was too young, and I just don't remember anything about my childhood anymore. But I, my, my grandma told me that when she told me that I was coming to the United States, I started crying, and I made a big fuss about it. And ever since then, my family has considered me the drama queen. But I don't believe that. And I like I was crying. I made a big fuss about it. I was like, I don't want to go. And my older sister, she was not coming with because she wanted to stay in Mexico and she wanted to. She didn't want to leave her friends. She didn't want to leave the life that she had in Mexico. So she was not going to be coming. And she was she was my mom at that the, during that one year. She was my mom, and I did not want to leave her. So I was just crying and crying. However, I came to the United States against my free will. But I didn't know what the journey meant, and the first memory I ever have of my childhood was seeing my mom. And since I hadn't seen her in a year, I, the first time I saw her, I didn't know who she was. I was like, you're a stranger. Who are you? Um, I don't know who you are. You're not my mom. And I could see the pain in my mom's eyes because she was heartbroken that I didn't recognize her. However, she immediately embraced me and hugged me. And and at that moment, I was still like, I don't know who you are, but okay, I'll hug you back. Uh, it didn't become clear until later on that she was actually my mom and that I loved her a lot. But it was till the moment where she gave me this awful, awful present ever. Uh, she gave me this hot pink, bright pants that I really hated and they were off. I wish I had a picture of you to show you so you could see how bad they were. But like she made me try them on and she made me wear them throughout like my whole year that I was there um, for the time they fitted. And they were huge so they fit me for like three more years I think. <laughs> which is unfortunate for me. But um yeah, at that moment, and I was telling her, like, a few years later, I was, I don't want to wear them anymore, Mom. And she was like, no, you have to wear them. You know, I, I still haven't had the, the chance to tell my mom, no, I'm not going to wear anything you buy me, but, you know, that's another story. So I came to the United States. I started first grade, I believe, and I didn't know English. I My English was kind of bad. And the first, the first, um, School I attended, there was a translator for me. She was a friend, I guess. I don't remember, I don't remember her anymore. But my mom did not like her because she translated everything for me. So I didn't have a chance to learn English. So then my mom moved me to a different school, which is the best school ever, Benton. And that's where I learned how to speak English. That's where I learned uh, how to communicate. And that's where I made friends. And But then the school closed down and I had to move again. So I attended different schools. And then finally, I ended up at St. Charles Barron Middle School, in which I was there from third grade to eighth grade. So I was there a long time. So I grew up with the same people. And I made lots of friends there. And then a lot of them actually went to high school with me. So then I went to high school. And it, it was a big milestone for me because my mom had never graduated from elementary school. 
And then once I graduated from high school, it was like a huge accomplishment for me because I graduated in high school and something my mom never had the chance to. She didn't have the opportunity because she was too busy taking care of us. So then I graduated high school and I came to Dominican. And applying to college was really hard just because not a lot of people knew about how to handle my status or how to even help me financially. And I I'm really uh, thankful that Dominican University had opened its doors for me and allowed me to come in and provide me the aid I needed and the help I needed since no one in my family had ever gone to college. Actually, my old, my older sister, Blanca, she moved back to Mexico. She moved back to Mexico because she couldn't, at that time, attend college. And then she graduated from Mexico. She was the first one in my whole family, my whole extended family, to ever graduate from college. But it was a really, it was a really proud moment for my family and I. But for me, I was really depressed because I was not able to attend her ceremony. And that's one of the things that has affected my life is not being able to have a relationship with my family in Mexico. I haven't seen my grandma in 12 years. And um, so it's been really hard to handle all that. But it's going good, um, hopefully. In a year and a half, I will be able to graduate, and I hope to be a doctor um, after college. And but yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> Thank you. Hello. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, um, our second storyteller is uh, Kayla. Um, Kayla has a different uh, twist on migration, and I don't want to give away her story by generalizing it in the introduction. So, Kayla Jackson. Hello, friends. Um, so, I'm Kayla. I'm a final year grad student in Dominican Social Work Program. And my migration story is a little different. Um, it's It's less about crossing physical borders and more about navigating psychological ones. So I'm from the south side of Chicago. I'm from uh, West Inglewood. And I really never ventured out of my, my neighborhood until it was time to think about high school. But my parents decided that it would be important for us to go to school, uh, my siblings and I, to go to school outside of our community. And... I mean, I was excited. I was excited because like, I was going to go to a good school. I was going to be in a good area. And at that time, in my mind, that was synonymous with white. But I was also excited because I felt like I was finally going to be with like-minded people, you know, people who listen to like Fall Out Boy and <laughs> All American Rejects and ate sushi and watched anime all things that a lot of my peers at my grade school thought were very weird in general, but especially for a black girl. <laughs> and so eighth grade Kayla looked forward to high school with a lot of anticipation and hope as to what that had in store. And I, I assumed assimilating into this new space would be super easy. I went to Mother Macaulay, which is an all-girls Catholic high school and it was it was a good experience like it wasn't the typical high school experience as you would expect it's an, it was an all-girls school it was all-girls Catholic school um, like not the things that I saw on TV like people getting their lunch money stolen or getting stuffed in the lockers or anything like that 
Um, and there was definitely a huge sense of sisterhood um, at my school. And, you know, I, I found my niche. I, I turned into the ultimate theater nerd. I was in like all the productions, never had a lead role, but I was in there though. I was, I was off on the side doing things. And uh, I found my group of friends and everything like that. But I guess that there was, I was there, but there was always sort of like a, a, a space, like a gap that kept me from being fully integrated. And although I look back at my school with a lot of pride and my experiences with a lot of happiness, I also can remember a lot of times where I felt very, very unhappy. And it wasn't until probably my second or third year at Dominican that I really was able to put words to that experience and understand why I was unhappy or what contributed to that. And I think that it, it had a lot to do with that thing that I call the gap. And the way that I understood it was that simply put that I was different in who I was and where I came from. I held a lot of guilt with that, I guess, like, who I was and where I was from was a secret. It was a huge secret. No one knew. I, I never uttered the words Inglewood. No one was supposed to know. No one was supposed to know that I came from a neighborhood that looked different from Evergreen Park and Beverly. Um, they weren't supposed to know that there were vacant lots and dilapidated houses. No one was supposed to know that there was a hold on my account all the time because we couldn't pay tuition. No one was supposed to know that like I was scraping change together just to like get the dress down day. And I just had a lot of shame associated with where I was from and what that meant. And I guess I was afraid of what that would do, that people would see me differently, I guess. And so I had a lot of secrecy with that. And I, I, I didn't realize that on my journey to this new space that that was the baggage that I was carrying with me. It wasn't until until Dominican that I started to unpack that. And I was just like, well, yeah, my neighborhood does look different. And in class, I learned about why that is. And that just because my situation or like my neighborhood was a little less than ideal, that didn't make me less. And it wasn't associated with my worth and just not internalizing all of that extra stuff that I've, I've really struggled with. And so I got to Dominican, took all these classes, and I started to become really proud. I was like, always like, yeah, I'm from Inglewood. You never heard about it. You heard about it on the news, but that's not the full story. I'm going to tell you the whole thing. And I had a lot of pride with it. I was like, this is it. I'm ready. I'm ready to go home. I told myself that I was going to go home. I was going to get involved and that this was a big part of my identity. And I didn't get the reunion that I was expecting, there was kind of like a, again, another gap, another space. I was there, but I wasn't really able to fully integrate myself back home. And it had a lot to do with the time that I spent away at school and the time that I spent away in the other spaces that weren't home. Um, I came home and, you know, they'd be like, oh, she's that college girl. Like she, she thinks she's better than us or she's so different. She does these things. She's bringing all these different things. And I was just 
I thought that I'd be embraced with open arms, and I wasn't. And it was the time that I'd spent away in a different space it made it difficult for me to come back. And I found myself in like this kind of borderland where I was over here, and I now I want to come back over here, but I can't. And I was just like stuck in the middle, and I was. I almost wanted to denounce the time that I spent away, the time that I was at Dominican, because I was like, oh, well, that's that's not important. What's important is that I'm here. This is my community. This is me. And it was just kind of a lonely space where I was in between because it was kind of hard to articulate and make sense of. But then I realized what a great privilege I have to be able to enter into both of those spaces and to move back and forth and go back and forth. And I think I gained a lot of freedom when I realized that it didn't have to be either or, and that the time that I spent in both of those places have so much to do with my identity and who I am and what I do. And I guess I'm still making sense of it, but I don't know. Yeah, that's about it. (laughs) thanks Kayla Um, you know I don't do very much in this project except try to coordinate a little bit which is not my strong suit and then to try to listen to the stories and, and help the storytellers tell more of their stories which they always do more than I ask and challenge and it's just it blows me away to be part of this with the students. I I'm, I'm feel outside of the nerve-wracking part of it, it's a, it's a great honor to, to work with you guys. Um, the final story of the night is from Jose, because you can all count to three. You knew he was next, right? And uh, again, a, a completely different kind of migration story. Welcome, Jose. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, well, my migration story is mostly about uh, me moving to different places and trying to adapt to these places and seeing the difference between these places and how they affect me and my surrounding and my point of view of the world, of my world. Well, just to give a little bit of background information, uh, I was born in California and um, I lived there till I was six years old. And I was six years old, I moved to Mexico to a city called Guadalajara, Jalisco. So I, when I got there, I, the only language I knew was English. It's kind of funny because I consider my first language English, but I really, I know more Spanish right now. So it's a, it's a tricky question for me when they ask me that. So I didn't know, I was six years old. I didn't know much about this place. I was just excited about being at the place my parents were from. I didn't know much Spanish and uh, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't think much of it. I was just like, okay, I'm going to school, let's see how it goes. And uh, most of the kids there were, I feel like they were, they treated me like a celebrity. Like they were always like, at, I guess they weren't used to people that weren't from there. So they would, they would constantly ask me like, uh, how do you say this in, in English? So it was, um, I mean, it was fun in a way, but it, it also had other downsides because People would, uh, would also like kind of make fun of how I, I would speak because I had an accent in Spanish or I wouldn't know how to communicate effectively or 
I would stutter and stuff like that. So they were always like, oh, because there were multiple, there's always multiple Jose's and I'm not the only one. And they're like, oh, the, the Jose that speaks weird. And, oh, yeah, that one. And that was me. So it, it kind of, it was always like that. But um, again, I didn't think of it as, as bully. I think of it as, I don't know, like, I thought it was funny, to be honest, sometimes. So I would just laugh along and just kind of lived, lived it. So I was there for my, for my education, all my school I did there. And I never quite felt that I fit in there. I always felt like I was a little bit different than all my classmates in Mexico. Whenever they would tell a joke, I wouldn't get it because I, I didn't have the, the background information the, or like the knowledge of Mexico's culture to get it. Or like everybody, how, I don't know how, but they were all professional soccer players, all my classmates. And I was, I just sucked. I wasn't, I wasn't good at it. And I don't know. Uh, well, and I tried. So I never, I never felt like I quite fit in there. But I still, I was there. I'd never thought about going back to the United States. I kind of knew I was going to move back, but never actually um, planned it. I was like, okay, yeah, later, probably in college. So all these years to, till I went to high school, I kind of got used to the, to the culture, the traditions and everything that was uh, part of Mexico. And they kind of grew to be part of me. I didn't, it wasn't something I tried to learn. It was more like they were making this culture. They were, they were welcoming me, if that makes sense. I didn't, I don't know, like people would tell me, Oh, let's go over here and during the holidays. And I'm like, why? Uh, because it's, it's a tradition and it's like, Oh, okay. And now, and then th- that would happen year after year until it was, it was part of me. Like I, I felt like I needed to go to these places or celebrate Day of the Dead or whatever traditions happen I was I was into it then so it kind of grew to be a part of me when I got to high school I finished my junior year of high school in Mexico and it was a summer and my family were having some economic issues financial issues and uh, so all of my siblings we we all had jobs and we all knew that we the 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 time to go to back to the United States was going to come we have a lot of family in the United States and they were all tell us like, why are you guys in Mexico? Like they don't help you guys there. It's harder. All of you guys are working and look, you guys are still like not doing so well. So why don't you guys come over here? You get any job and you can still live well. And we're like, yeah, well, I don't know. And then we were, we were all born in the United States. So it, it kind of made sense that we should move to the United States. And it's all, it was something I wanted to too. So I didn't, again, maybe I just, I don't think much of stuff, but I just knew that I wanted to go too. Um, I knew that there had to be a change. So my sister graduated from high school and I was still missing one year and it was the summer. So it kind of felt like the right time for us to move. So my sister could start college in, uh, in the United States and I could finish high school here. So to be honest, it all passed by really fast. I don't remember much. I just remembered that one day I... I quit my job and then I, I notified school that I wasn't going to be there anymore. And I did what I had to do. And then the next week or a couple of days, I was, I was on a flight to the U S and then we went to, uh, we wanted to go to California cause that's where our family is originally from, but we didn't have anybody that like we didn't know anybody from there anymore. We didn't have connections or anything. So we just had like an aunt that lived in Las Vegas. So we were like, okay, we can move to Las Vegas and then from there make the transition a little bit easier to California. So that's what we did. First, 
the timing wasn't exactly right. We still had our pets and all our stuff, like our house and everything in Mexico. So we couldn't just leave it there or abandon it. So my mom and everybody stayed there. So it was just my sister and I who moved to Las Vegas. Um, I started school there. And the first couple of days I was there, I, or we messed up. I, I thought it was the, the wrong choice. I was like, why, what am I doing here? Why am I, uh, I just want to go back to Mexico. Like I can still do it. I was really trying to form a plan. I'm like, I can still go to the school, tell them I was just kidding or something. And then still continue class. I'm still on time. And then it sounds funny right now, but back then I was freaking out. And, but it was all in my mind. Like I couldn't, I couldn't go back. It was too late. And the, the change was already moving forward. So deep down, I knew I just had to continue. And then I had some, some, really person not personal issues but like things i noticed in guadalajara i don't know if you guys have heard guadalajara but it's it's one of the biggest cities in the in mexico so what i tend to notice it's it's really materialistic there's a lot of rich people there and yeah so the there's a lot of people with with money and in las vegas in my perspective there were there were even more materialistic like more money it really the buildings, everything is nice there. Even the, the poorest neighborhood, it's really nice. And the, something I, um, I mentioned sometimes is that, um, I, I go to the vending machines and, you know, the change that comes out, there was always change there. And I was always like, just go to the vending machines and grab the money from there. Cause from my point of view, I was the only one without money <laughs> and everybody else was, from my point of view, I don't even know if they consider themselves rich or the other kids, but, I thought everybody was rich and I was the only one without like money or like how to move on or without a plan of for their future. So I kind of felt left out again. I didn't, I was more like a, a person that had everything figured out, kind of control. I like to keep, keep in mind my future. Like in Mexico, I had goals, I have dreams and stuff and moving to the United States kind of got, um, it just destroyed all of that. So I, I didn't know what else was left and I didn't know what was going to happen because I knew I wasn't staying in Las Vegas. And so anyway, we, we couldn't stay there anymore. Uh, by the end of that semester, my sister and I, we moved to, uh, Indiana, East Chicago. <clears throat> and, uh, so East Chicago is a little bit of a, not so, uh, there's not a lot of money there. So I started school right there my spring semester and it was, um, it was a dramatic, a really abrupt change. I want to say from Las Vegas, from like these really like a lot of rich people and nice buildings and everything looks nice to East Chicago, <laughs> where it's kind of, I don't know if you guys have been and no offense, but it's kind of, uh, it's kind of depressing. There wasn't, um, I mean, I guess the, I didn't, I never checked the vending machines and stuff, but there were other, there were, <laughs> there were other things there. Like you had to, um, you had to be careful. There were, uh, I don't know. You just have to be careful. There, there were always fights, and then uh, it was like a dramatic change from one social class from to another. But it, it helped me because I graduated on time in high school, and I had to take more classes and do some other stuff. But eventually, I did it. And then I feel like, uh, well, we didn't want to continue there. I wanted to like go on to college, but I still didn't know what to do. So everybody around me there, my, my cousins and my aunts and 
and uncles, they were just helping me to see if I could look for a job or something. And I was like, no, I came here to study. I'm not here to, I mean, I'm here to work, but like, I want to finish college first because that's why I'm here. And then, so they were like, no, you should, you should be, uh, I can help you out. I know somebody that probably needs a truck driver, so you could be perfect for that. And I was like, what? I'm not going to be a truck driver. And then, I mean, again, no offense, but I didn't, that's not, I didn't came here to drive trucks all day. So we, we knew there was a lot of things there. And we met back with our, our family was there with us. Um, so we moved to Chicago and we have another aunt that lives in Chicago. That's kind of the advantage of having like ants scattered all over the place. And so we moved with my aunt and then we started at a local community college. And from there, I would just take the, the general classes I needed because I still didn't know what to do with my life or what, or where I was heading to really. Um, I still felt like I didn't belong. I, I would talk to other Hispanics people or Hispanics, Hispanics, and then, and it would still be different. Like it's not the same thing. I'm, I mean, it's not, I'm not saying it's different, but it's, it's a, it's a little, I don't know. It's, it's complicated because I, I didn't feel like I was, I, it's a different Hispanic culture here than Hispanic culture in Mexico. So I wasn't, I wasn't fitting in either way like with Hispanics or with non-Hispanics or, so I kind of felt like I didn't belong anywhere anymore. And I was like, yeah, but I can't go back to Mexico because that would mean a, a step going back. And I kind of want to, I want to go further. I don't want to, I just want to move forward. Uh, we, we were still at, uh, at this college and we, we finished. And then my sister transferred to a different school. And then I ended up, I'm transferred to Dominican and I realized that I wanted to make movies and, so far it's it's going i don't know <laughs> i'm i'm still studying i'm not it's not i don't have anything to figure it out yet but i can still see my future a little clearer i still have an idea of where i'm going it's be a lot better than how it used to be and it's funny cuz the first time i went back to mexico on vacation i met with my with my high school friends i was telling them all this this stuff oh what else happened here? i was really excited to go back to mexico i felt like there was a disconnection with me in Mexico and going back was, it was like going back home in a way. So I was, I was talking to every, I wanted to talk to everybody, even the people I didn't talk to before. And it's like, remember me? I was, I was that kid. And they're like, no. And uh, so it was, I mean, I didn't care. I would just talk to, I was just happy to talk to, to anybody there. So I would tell them like, Oh, what, what, what exactly happened when I left and what's going on now here? And then they're like, dude, it's the same here. Nothing changed. Like this story is still here. We were still alive. Not, they didn't change anything. And I was like, wow. So this whole change, I felt like my world changed or my point of view at least changed greatly. And everybody, they were, they were different in a way. Like I saw everybody different and, and they still had the same mentality, the same, uh, the same behavior and stuff. They even tell me like I changed. I don't even know how I was back then, to be honest. Cause they, they told me like, Oh, you used to be more, more funny or more like you used to, you had more guts and stuff like that. I was like, like, what is that supposed to mean? I'm not, I don't have guts right now. So my point of view changed along the way and it was really tough. And, and I had like a lot of complications with the language barrier and like, cause I couldn't speak any English. I could understand it, but somehow I, my my mind had a block where I couldn't 
speak it fluently, or I would just say nonsense, or the first thing that came into my mind, I would just say it as long as it's, as it's English. I kind of felt like it was, when I was younger, it was easier to speak in English in Mexico, because nobody nobody knew English, so I could mess up and nobody would even notice. They could be like, oh, how do you say sweater in in English? I could be like, shoe, and they're like, oh, wow, it's shoe, and so it was it was easier because uh, I didn't even have to put a lot of effort, but I, I was the one that knew English. And now coming to America, I was like, okay, this is the real deal. If I mess up, everybody's going to notice and everybody can tell. And I, it sounds funny, but that idea was deep down, like in my mind somehow I couldn't let it go. And and that that's what made me really have issues with my with my speech, I guess. Uh, right now, it's a little bit better. I'm getting there. But back then, they would tell me something, and it would take me like 15 minutes to form like sentences and and to think what I was gonna say. So yeah, I don't. I still don't have anything figured out. But I still. But I know like it, it, it's all it's all working out so far, and I'm still alive. So so far, um, we'll see what happens, and I'll let you guys know. <laughs> Thanks, Jose. Um, that's it for this evening. Do you guys have any questions for anybody? Next steps? Are you going to go to California? <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, the, um, I have the idea still of like going back to California because that was the, the original idea. That's the place I intended to go. And once I graduate, I still don't know exactly what I'm going to do with my life or what I'm going to do. I don't have anything figured out. And I feel... The difference of the Jose back then and the Jose now, it's that I feel like now it's okay, if that makes sense. It's like, I don't know, but it's okay not knowing because you really can't plan a life and you really, you can't see anything coming. Like things happen. I knew I was going to come to the United States, but I didn't know I was going to go to Las Vegas and then in Chicago and then, and then Chicago. And so I, I might go to California, perhaps I might stay here for a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. So for me, I think there's a lot of things that I have to do uh, to get to medical school. But I think right now, so my plan is to go to medical school afterwards. I might take a year just so I can work and raise some money so I can aff somehow afford medical school. But yeah, so that's the plan is to probably take a gap year, do some volunteer work, and then as well as work, and then take my MCAT hopefully next year and pray that I get a good score. Uh, and then attend medical school, I want to be a pediatric surgeon. So we'll see how that goes. And then, yeah, I'll keep you posted. <laughs> um, I guess, like, the plan has always been to, like, go back home and go back to Inglewood and really invest in my community and be a part of the positive change that's there and just work with the organizers who are there to really invest in us and move forward. So let y'all know in May how that goes. <laughs> right, I'd like to thank you all for coming this evening. Tell your friends about the next one, November 30. So you should all be very, very full by then. <laughs> and happy because the Thanksgiving pies will be gone, but the Christmas cookies will be everywhere. <laughs> all right. Thanks again for coming. There's refreshments outside.
Soul Story's narratives were developed through a series of storytelling events held on the Dominican University campus throughout the 2017-2018 academic year, with the intention of creating spaces for deep encounters with faith as lived experience wherein student, faculty, staff, and neighbors of the university might encounter the sacred in ourselves and in each other. Soul Stories feature autobiographical narratives of individuals' journeys, how they got to where they are now explicitly in relationship to their faith, understood broadly to include religious, spiritual, and values-based worldviews. The stories are true as remembered and affirmed by the storytellers. That's it for this episode. Soul Stories is produced by the Dominican University Office of Mission and Ministry under the direction of Claire Noonan. Better Together Coffee Houses are under the direction of Amy Omi with assistant from Asma Almiel and Armani Brockman. Production support provided by Daniel Martin and Arthur Wolf. Music by Arthur Wolf. This episode was produced with financial support from a grant from the Interfaith Youth Corps. schedule for live Arts and Minds programs can be found online at events.dom.edu. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to the production team of Samantha Barr and Patrick Serrano. Theme music is 10 Days Sailing by El Rey Music. Closing music, so proudly Dominican, composed and played by Sue Kaczynski. The views and opinions of the speakers in the podcast do not necessarily reflect those of Dominican University. A wise Dominican sister once said, The search for wisdom, for love, for truth, is strenuous and unending. It takes good companions to persevere in it. Thank you for joining us.